0: Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kemah, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed risen Lord, we thank you for your love for us that exceeds our understanding, our ability to sometimes even receive, Lord, that you love us so very much. And, Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you, to see and receive what you're telling us today. That you would open our spiritual ears that we may hear your voice speaking to us. That you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. That we would walk away changed because we've had this encounter with you. And you've done something in our hearts and lives. And we pray this prayer with great expectation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Please be seated. I'm going to throw something at you. Um, we haven't recited our mission statement in a while, and it's not going to be up on the screen. Do you remember what it is? It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And then our goal, our vision, is that we, do you remember this, that we become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. All right, you guys did pretty good. I'd like to release the children's ministry and, and student ministry to go back. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, This is going to be a very different service. Um, I had my sermon planned for today, and yesterday the Lord changed it. And uh, I love it when He does that, because I know that uh, um, God is on the move. And we sang about God is doing something, uh, and that He's he's always up to something good and you may be thinking well in the times that we're facing right now I don't know that it's good but we know that the word says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose so sometimes the Lord is doing something good when we don't realize it. sometimes that job may be coming to an end because God is about to open up another opportunity for us and so we have to keep our eyes focused on him and this is, I, I, I know it's going to be a tough message today because I think God's heart is grieved for what's going on. And, uh, and I'm grieved and we should all be grieved when we see what's happening, not just in America, but in the world. What's happening, that evil is increasing But yet, God is on the move, and I believe that God is bringing exposure to some things so that they can be dealt with. I remember Pastor Don used to tell us, get it right in the closet, (laughs) because you don't want it exposed. And I believe that the Lord is doing something. He's bringing exposure today probably in all of our lives and in other people's lives and so God is up to something good because he doesn't want to leave us where we are he wants us to change he wants us to grow in this relationship with him this intimate personal relationship with him because I think there are a lot of people that are playing church and I think that time has come to an end so over the past three weeks we've been exploring some of the many signs and warnings that Jesus gave and that the Bible talks about the end days And I want to look at Matthew 24.10, and Jesus is warning of the end times, and He says, And many will turn away from Me and betray and hate each other. And I always, when I've looked at that Scripture in the past, I've always thought that it was the non-Christians hating the Christians. But I think we see this hatred ramping up. The the murder of, of George Floyd was completely unacceptable. It was wicked. It was evil. uh, Those that are responsible for his murder, they should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. It was wrong. It was wicked. And, uh, you know, I know we hear Black Lives Matter and and all these things. All lives matter. And, you know, uh, babies matter. (laughs) we've, We've killed, what, like 60 million babies Most of those uh, because of inconvenience, because someone doesn't want to be pregnant. All lives matter. And it's disturbing to me when people are thrown in jail and and, uh, get in trouble for mistreating a horse or a dog or a cat. And I don't believe that we should mistreat animals. But when we can say killing a child is okay, (sighs) something is dreadfully wrong. And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and, you, and you've had an abortion, and listen, I'm not here to beat you up. God's grace and mercy and forgiveness is there for us. But there, there are times when we have to stand up and say, this is wrong. Killing people is wrong. These are wicked and evil acts. I understand the 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 desire for for peaceful protests and and we should demand that this this stuff stop you know that that injustice be dealt with and stopped I I don't understand additional violence and uh, destruction of property stealing burning our communities people burning their own communities I I I don't understand that but I do understand that the world is going to act worldly and, you know, sometimes the world acts pretty crazy. And maybe you don't have to think about this too much. You, you think about, you look in the mirror when you were in the world and some of the crazy stuff that you, you used to do, or I used to do. You know, and so sinners are going to sin. The world is going to view things through a, a worldly filter. But the church should respond differently than the world. We should be setting an example Of loving one another. We are polarized. We see this polarization in the world politically, racially. Um, The body of Christ is called to live and to be in unity and be working together in one accord, loving one another. And I love the fact that that our church is so diverse. I think only God can do that. Only God can bring people together from different cultures, different mindsets, different experiences, and bring them together in a bond of love. I'm greatly disturbed by some of the perspectives and hatred displayed by some of the Christians I know. I see some of the stuff on social media, and I'm like, how? In the world, does that reflect the love of Christ? (sighs) We should be reflecting His love, not hatred and, and vengeance. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, period. That's really not the new commandment. Because we were always called to love one another. Here's the new commandment. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. He goes on to say, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let's look at it from a different perspective. If, if we're not loving one another in the manner that he loves us, we're not his disciples. I believe that every one of us have biases and prejudices on some level. Um, And I think that many of those things can, can come from wounds. They can come from the woundedness in our lives. They can come from life experiences. They can come from how we were taught. How do children learn? Example, example, example. And frankly, sometimes I think some of our biases come from just ignorance. We just don't know. We are ignorant to some things. And it would be foolish for me to try to stand here as a white man and try to understand what a black man goes through. I have no idea. I really have no idea. I want to share some personal experiences, some things that that I've thought about in this whole This whole situation that we're facing racially, what's going on in our country, and it's not just happening in our country, it's happening in other places in the world, too. I had a a great aunt, and uh, when she was in her 60s, in front of her husband, who was a a disabled war veteran, who was uh, unable to get out of his wheelchair, she was beaten, robbed, and raped by two black men. And I can remember having conversations with her and her language and the vile hatred that she had toward blacks would make me cringe inside. Her hurt and and her anger turned to bitterness. Her bitterness turned to hatred. Her hatred turned to racism. And I think the root cause was unforgiveness. She had unforgiveness toward these men. And she blamed a whole race of people for something that two men had done. I, I can't begin to understand how she would feel and what that would be like. But I know that, that that's not reflective of all black people. And I know that we've all been hurt and we all need to forgive. we certainly all need to be forgiven. When I was growing up, I grew up, I guess, in a fairly small school district. There was about 150 in my graduating class. And I believe there was one black family in the entire school system. One family in that whole community. And uh, they had a son, his name was Larry. And uh, I didn't really know him very well. I don't ever remember having any classes with him. I don't ever remember having any interaction with him. Uh, I would see him in the hall, and he seemed like a nice enough guy. He seemed like a real nice guy. But I, I didn't have any, any contact with him, or uh, we didn't have any kind of relationship. I know he played on the football team, and I was in the band. and So I didn't grow up around any black people. And I have to tell you now, some of my dearest friends, some of my greatest relationships are with black people. I wasn't exposed to any blacks until we started attending Corpus Christi Christian Fellowship. And there I I met some people. Pastor Don, many of you know Pastor Don. Wonderful man of God. And when my father died 24 years ago, he came to the funeral. And he came to the house after the funeral. And my mom told my wife, that was the first time She'd ever had a black person in her home. I, I think that some, there is some generational things that that went on back with my parents and my grandparents, and, and I, I don't understand that, uh, you know. And and again, it could be, it could have been experiences that they had. It could have been how they were taught. Is it any wonder that my mom had never had a a black person in her home when when my, when my grandmother was a racist <laughs> um, back to Corpus Christi Christian Fellowship there was a guy there his name was George Washington he was an ex-black panther guy had arms this big he had no neck he was like all muscle and uh... he invited Pastor Christine and I over to his home one day after a after ser- uh, service on Sunday And we went over, and that was really the first time I'd spent any time with him. And we had some really authentic conversation. And he told me, he said, you know, I thought all white people looked alike. I said, well, I thought all black people looked alike. And he said, come on over here and get some chitlins and greens. And I'm like, no, I'm good with the (laughs) fried chicken. You know, and they have they have black people have their own culture. Where would we be without Asians? We wouldn't have fried rice and Mongolian chicken and all those kinds of things. Fajitas. Oh, I love fajitas. I love Mexican food. And so we bring we all bring something into our our space, into our living environment as we embrace one another. Do you remember the little song, Jesus Loves Me? (laughs) Red and yellow, black and white. (sighs) They are precious in His sight. My heart is breaking. I think the Lord's heart is breaking when He sees this happening in His church. Where we are segregated, I've never understood the black church, the white church, the Latino church, the Chinese church. We are one body. And I'm so glad that this little church is representative of the body of Christ. That's the way it should be. That we should be loving one another. I was talking with Yaman and Salema earlier today, and they said, I uh, I was overhearing them talking about what they were going to be teaching on today, and they're going to be teaching on prejudice. <laughs> I said, wow, that's interesting. And Yaman said something as we were talking this morning, and he said, because I think I was saying something like, we need to learn some things. And he said, yes, but we need to unlearn some things. I thought that was so good. Man, I'm so proud of those guys. They are so wonderful. And these, this couple back here has poured into them tremendously. And I'm so thankful for Yaman and Salema, and, and them leading our youth. They are investing in them. And we're seeing the fruitfulness They talk about how wonderful the students are doing in our children's ministry. (laughs) They're growing and learning. So I had this conversation with George Washington. It changed my life. It changed my perspective. Many of you know my friend Elliot. He's Pastor Don's brother. He's on the board of directors for Life Fellowship Ministries International. One evening, we were over at, uh, at the Lavelle's house, and uh, Rose asked us to go, go get something from the store. So we get in the truck, and Elliot pulls out his wallet and puts it on the dashboard. And I'm thinking, wow, you must have a lot of money in there. It must be uncomfortable to sit on that wallet. I said, why did you, why did you put your wallet up there? He said, in case I get pulled over. He said, as a black man, you don't want to be digging around in your pockets for anything. Now, I've been on trips where, you know, a long trip and I'll pull my wallet out and I'll put it in the console or take it out of my back pocket. But I have never even considered that perspective that I should have my wallet up. Because if I get pulled over, I don't want to be seen rustling around and getting something. So, is there white privilege? I would say so. I would definitely say so. As a white person of privilege, do I recognize it? Probably not. Not to the degree that somebody that doesn't have that privilege would recognize it. Is it right? No, it's not right. But we need to realize, and maybe maybe that's part of something that God is doing in us. It's something he's doing in me. I didn't realize. I didn't realize the magnitude. And, and I, I, although I don't understand and I can't understand the bitterness and hatred that people have, you know, I, I don't know. We, I, I know this. I know that Jesus came to fix our broken lives. So it could be from our experiences. It could be from our wounds because we all have filters. And just like my great aunt had the filter of hatred toward black people because of what had happened to her. I I don't know if that was the reason. I could could guess it, it probably didn't help, but I know that there was unforgiveness. My grandmother, I mentioned her a while ago, I said she was a racist. She was probably the most godly example I ever had in my life. I was very close to my grandmother, but when she met Pastor Christine, we had a conversation, and she said, "Well, son, you know red birds and bluebirds don't fly together and I said, "White birds and brown birds do <laughs> <laughs> and this is a really white bird and I, I I realized that she was prejudiced, but where did that come from i don't know. I know that she was a hard working woman, she was a servant she she would uh, she was like nurse people that were elderly and and sick and she would work twelve hours a day, and I know that she had a relationship with the Lord, but she was prejudiced. My wife grew up in upper state New York, and uh, her dad was in the service and they traveled around and so she developed a New York accent, and their next station was in. Alabama. At the height of all the racial stuff. And she was demeaned. She was made fun of because she couldn't talk right. But mainly because she was a non-white. She was a non-white in a white environment. And she told, she, she's told me stories about times where recess would come, recess time would come, and the teacher would say, You stay here. You can't go play with the other children. You stay here, and you just sit here on the sidewalk. Remember in the school cafeterias, they'd have tables, you know, tables lined up, maybe, I don't know, just a long line of tables. During lunch, she would put her tray on the table. That whole line of tables, everybody would get up and move to another table. I can't imagine what that would have been like as a young child. You know, when, when the, uh, the pioneers came to America, the Indians were treated terrible. They were moved from place to place. Oh, there's gold here. We're going to move you to another reservation. There's been a lot of prejudice in this country. There's a lot of prejudice going on today. And it's not right. And we need to come to a place of saying, God, forgive me. Heal me. Help me. Give me your perspective on this thing. I can appreciate peaceful protest. There needs to be change. There needs to be change. And it's not just changes on how we treat one another but it's on allowing the Lord to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives for Him to touch us, to change us, to give us His perspective. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. It's not independent. It should be Jesus' perspective. And only the Lord can bring healing on that kind of level. Only the Lord can really draw us together Into relationship, authentic, genuine, loving relationship where we can look past our faults, where we can forgive one another, where we can accept one another. And I'm not talking about ungodly things. I'm not talking about accepting ungodly things, but I'm talking about loving one another where the world will know that we are His disciples. Proven, proven by not what we say, but how we live and how we love. There is such great love in this place, in this church. I'm so blessed to be a part of this. And I love coming here. I love the relationships that we have. That it's authentic. That there's grace here. So my only point this morning is, we need to have discernment from the Holy Spirit. Solomon completed construction of the temple and the palace, and the Lord appears to him. Now let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 7. Some of this will be very familiar to you. Verse 12 says, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen the temple as the place for making sacrifices. And so there's a place, and I think now there's a people that God is looking for that He can pour His Holy Spirit into that will go out and live it, live this thing out. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road. And then he, the Lord gives Solomon a warning in verse 13. He says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. And so we know that Solomon, the wisest, richest man that ever lived, eventually turns away from the Lord, living a life of worshiping idols, sexual immorality and sin. And the Lord was saying, if you turn away from me, there are gonna be things that are going to happen. And I think the Lord is trying to get our attention. I think, I think enough of this plain church, I think enough of this wickedness and evil that we are turning a blind eye to and saying, well, it's okay. It's not me, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. Because if we say that we're Christians, if we say that we love God, then our heart should be reflective of what He loves. We should love the things that He loves. We should hate the things that He hates. And what He loves most of all of God's creation are us, His people. And if we say we love God, but we hate our neighbor, the Word says we're a liar. (laughs) It's pretty clear. So, you want a litmus test? On your relationship with the Lord, look at your relationship with other people. You know, I, I did, I won't say I did an experiment, but on Friday, I was at Sam's. And I uh, I unloaded the cart, and I pushed my cart back to the cart rack. And I saw Kelly doing that the other day. Listen, if you use a cart at the store, put it back in the rack, okay, please? All right. So I, saw, I pulled up to Kelly. He was putting the cart back, and I said, I'm watching you. <laughs> and I said, thank you for doing that. Anyway, so I put the cart back, and there was a uh, middle-aged black lady, and she was unloading her cart. And as I was walking by, I noticed that she was about done putting everything in her trunk. And I said, uh, can I take your cart for you? And she had her back to me, and she's like, oh, yeah, sure, thank you. And then she turned around and saw that it wasn't a worker. It was just this lonely white guy there standing there. And she said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I said, you're welcome. So I put it up. And then I was walking back to my car, and there was an elder white guy there. He was an older man. And he had a couple of cases of water in his cart, and uh, he had his uh, Uh, tailgate down on his truck. And I said, hey, can I put those in your truck for you? And he said, yeah, sure, I I would appreciate that. So I put them in there, and then I took his cart and put it back. And I thought, what if, what if we just did that every once in a while? It it wouldn't matter if they're black or white or red or yellow, purple. (laughs) It wouldn't matter what they look like. What if we just did random acts of kindness? What if we just extended the love of Christ to people? When I was at work at at Selene's, we had a a Bible study. And and so on occasion, I would send out an email and I'd say, do a row Act this week, random act of kindness. And here was the criteria. If anyone saw you, or if anyone knew that you did it, it didn't count. And so I would do little things like go out to the warehouse. I had to go out to the warehouse and pick something up. So maybe I'd see a package there for somebody else. I would pick it up. I would walk down the hall. I'd look in their lab or in their office. No, they're not around. I would put it there. Success. But what if we just did that? (laughs) What if we slowed down enough just to give somebody a kind word? So after this warning, let's go back to Second Chronicles. The Lord gives Solomon a key to continue to walk in his blessings and favor. He says in verse 14, 2 Chronicles 7:14. Then if my people who are called by my name, then if my people who are called by my name, who's he talking to? He's talking to his people. He's talking to us. And then he gives this condition. You know that we've talked about this a lot. Anytime the Scripture says if. It's conditional. If you will, I will. If you. So this is another one of those conditional promises. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Can we be humble? Is it, is it always all about me? Is it always all about us? Can we put aside our selfish pride? Let's go to the next section. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. What if we humbled ourselves? What if we prayed more? First Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing pray all the time. Never stop praying. Yo, dude, pray. (laughs) Pray. Become humble and pray. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Have you ever been praying and not been concerned about seeking God's face at all? Hey, God, I just need something here. I'm not really concerned about what your plan, your purpose, your desires for me. Right now, I've got a need right right now. And God, I, I need you to take care of this. Pray and seek his face. When we pray and seek his face, our prayers begin to change because as we're seeking his face, we're coming into alignment with his purpose, his plan, his desires for us. And sometimes that's what we really need. We We think we know what we need, but what we need is what he tells us we need. And so we can be praying out of alignment based on selfishness or our own desires. But if we seek his face, he may bring revelation. Oh, don't pray for that job. You don't want that job. Been there, done that. I prayed for that job, and I got that job, and it was like the job from hell. And I'm like, God, get me out of this job. Please help me. (laughs) Help me. Seek His face and say, God, what are you saying in this moment? What are you saying in this situation? What are you telling me in my life? What do I need to do? Because I can have a plan, but I need a God plan, not a good plan. Seek Him. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. There's more. We need to turn from our wicked ways. Because we can be seeking God, we can be praying, we can be doing all these things, and we can still be living a life of sin and doing all these things that are negating the blessings of God, not because we're not performing, but because we're not living according to His purpose and plan. We know that we're saved by grace through faith, when we believe, not of our works that anyone should boast. So it's not about performing. It's about being transformed so that we're living this Christian life, this Christ-centered life. But we need to stop doing some things. You know when the Holy Spirit's convicting you? And you know when you cross that line and continue to do something that you shouldn't do? You know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to, to go and apologize or ask forgiveness or pick up the phone and encourage somebody and you choose to not do it and you miss the opportunity. So there are some things that we need to stop doing and there are some things that we need to do and he's telling us here we need to seek him. We need to pray. We need to turn away from some things some versions of the uh, interpretations or translations of the Scriptures, the next Scripture says, then I will hear from heaven. The NLT says, then, well, let me read the whole thing. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Now we have his attention. Have we quit playing church? And have we gotten serious? And we've said... God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your plan, your your purpose, your desire. I'm going to put away some of those things that I need to put away. And now we have his attention. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. We have sins that we need to be forgiven. The word says that, uh, you know, if we say we're without sin, we're liars. Some of you may have sinned a little bit on the way to church. Did somebody pull out in front of you or cut you off? Did you wave at them (laughs) with a Christian wave? We need, some of us need to really come before the Lord and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for judging them based on the color of their skin or their economic status or where they live or they have tattoos, or they have pink hair. Lord, help me to not judge people. Help me to see them like You see them. Help me to love them like You love them and like You love me. Let me read this whole scripture. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. So we have a template here. We have a key. We have the Word of God telling us if we want to see our land restored, if we want to see this craziness come to an end, as Christians, we should be setting the standard. We should be leading. We should be doing these things. This is what we need to do. We need to have discernment from the Holy Spirit. We need to be listening. We need to be obeying. We need this relationship with Him. And, And as I shared with you, last week, the word that the Lord gave me May 13, 2020 at 5 in the morning the world as we know it will soon come to an end and we're seeing radical changes but we're living in a time where we have tremendous opportunity and what are we going to do? Are we going to use social media and our, our opportunities to extend the love of Christ to one another? Maybe we need to get healed before we can even do that. Maybe we need to, to pray that the Lord would remove those, those things that have bound us up and kept us blind. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Whatever those things look like, I don't know. But I know that God... Wants to heal our broken lives. I know that Jesus came to fix our broken lives. He came that we would live the abundant life. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came to give us abundant life. And it requires us to receive and yield. And yes, change. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord or maybe you want to give your life to the Lord. That you slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? I want us to to take some time and reflect. And I think that we really need to get real with the Lord this morning. And and we need to say, God, maybe there's some things I need to repent of. Maybe my perspective has been so skewed by my own selfishness or my wounds or my examples of life, my experiences, maybe what I've been taught. Maybe maybe I'm just ignorant, Lord. (laughs) Help me in my foolishness. Help me in my... Ability to not see things from your perspective. And let's just take a couple of minutes and let's just really get before the Lord and let's ask for repentance. Let's, let's ask Him to reveal some things in our lives. And let's pray for those that are hurting and crying out. Oh, no, I don't remember when Elizabeth was here. All right at our other building and did that song. And I had no idea about the ending part until we saw it this worship video earlier. But I think that's a word for all of us that she gave at the end. My daughter, my son, the Lord loves us. And not only does he love us, (laughs) but he loves the pimp, the prostitute, Even the child molester, ah, I can't fathom that. But he doesn't want to see any of us stay in those places. He wants to see us transformed by the renewing of our mind, by coming into this intimate personal relationship with him, that he can change our hearts and lives, that he begins to strip away all the pain, all the stuff, all the junk from our lives. It begins to backfill our hearts with the love of Christ. And we have an opportunity right now that may not always be there. And I think the most powerful force in the universe is love. And if we just love one another, reach out, live uncompromising lives where people say, there's a true believer. I see it by the way they live. I see it by the way they walk. And I know it by the way that they love. Let that be said of us. Amen. I love you guys so much. You're such a wonderful, wonderful congregation. It's been a tough message, but I think it's, it's, it's reflective of the Father's heart. And we need to have His heart. Amen. Well, if you'll stand, let's recite this blessing over one another. It'll be up on the screen. And if you'll just join me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. And I want to challenge you as always. Make a difference in the world around you. One person can make a difference in the world. And let's do that as we go out and love others and as we live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832 864 2800. Have a great week and remember to i done.